0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Expanding Economics Podcast. I am Sasha and I'm
1: Zoya and we are the new hosts of the podcast. So yeah, yes, very excited, hoping to live up to Sophia's legacy. Yeah, she's been a great mentor and a wonderful
0: host. So um, we're, we're really honored to be here.
1: Belated recent economic news, Claudia Golden received the Nobel Prize for Economics. Claudia Golden is an economics professor at Harvard who specializes in the history of economics and labor. Claudia Golden won the award for having advanced our understanding of women's labor market outcomes. Yeah, so... (laughs) uh, No, 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 you're good. Um, Yeah, so she... Um, is particularly interested
0: in kind of the historical trends of women uh, labor market participation and also the gender pay gap Um, she is the third woman to receive this very prestigious award beside Esther Duflo in 2019 and also Eleanor Ostrom who was the first woman to receive this uh, impressive accolade in 2009 and we felt that it was also pretty important to note that Uh, Claudia Golden is the first woman to receive this prize solo. Um, So the other two previously mentioned uh, shared their prize with male counterparts. So the Nobel Prize in economics is actually a little bit of an anomaly. Um, It's actually given out in tandem with the Swedish bank Um, and the first award was given in 1969.
1: Right and I I just wanted to uh, go back to what you were saying earlier, uh, that Golden was only the third woman to ever receive this award. So since 1969, there have been 55 awards to 93 laureates, and that makes the proportion of women re- women represented in this award to be only 3%. I know, isn't that shocking? Um, it's crazy. Shocking.
0: As we were looking at these numbers and also kind of uh, looking into Claudia Golden, we wanted to see whether... Um, This is just kind of an anomaly in the sense that, you know, the Nobel Prize really just represents the tip of the iceberg of academia. And whether this kind of female disparity and representation in economics is evident more broadly overall. Originally, when we were trying to frame this, uh, we were getting into researching for this podcast episode. We were looking into Claudia Golden's research that she was recognized for in the um. Nobel Prize. In the Nobel Prize, exactly. Uh, because, of course, as we mentioned before, she is a feminist economist. She does a lot of research um, in women representation, um, in economics specifically, as we mentioned, in the labor market. So uh, she was awarded the Nobel Prize because she provided the first comprehensive account of women's earnings in labor market participation through the centuries. So essentially like looking at trends um, and sort of other factors that impacted Uh, female participation, such as, um, shifts in industry, um, marriage trends, even things like the development of contraceptive pills and, um, birth control. And she also did work on research on the gender pay gap, which is something that, you know, has been fairly talked about, um, in the lens of feminism um, and activism, right? The fact that women earn less on the dollar than men and kind of what could be accounting for that difference. And she found that actually this also goes back to gender differences in the division of unpaid caregiving and responsibilities between um, couples, specifically heterosexual couples, right? So how much work is a woman taking on outside of her Uh, job at the home and kind of how does that impact how much work she does and um, how much she makes however um, as we were doing research um, on this amazing woman we found a more recent paper that really caught our attention
1: right right so this paper sort of brought us back to our original question of this three percent is it a widespread issue in economics or are we just looking at a very small tip of the iceberg part of academia and so we discovered Claudia Golden's paper titled what did UWE which stands for undergraduate women economics do for economics so a bit of background is this paper is only focusing on universities in the United States so that's just something to keep in mind as we're discussing the statistics and methods used in this paper so first thing I want to mention is that women outnumber men in undergraduate enrollment overall in the United States. So there are just more women undergraduate students than men. The second thing I want to point out is that economics is a very popular major. Yeah, exactly. Like my,
0: economics is super popular, because I, I feel like I keep meeting people who are who are doing an econ major or minor or whatever. Um, yeah, but however, even though econ is super popular, there seems to be a disparity in kind of the amount of men and women who are enrolled in economic majors in these U.S. institutions. So,
1: Right. The paper showed us, they discovered that there are two and a half male economic students for every like single female economic student, undergraduate student. So after looking at this statistic, the researchers were wondering, you know, why is this true? What What is happening? And a lot of it is based on the common misconceptions or just lack of knowledge about what an economics undergraduate degree is. And so one of the main misconceptions is that economics and finance are the same thing. And so...
0: Yeah, that is something that happens all the time. For Abigail. Um, Abigail, Yeah, Abigail. (laughs) um, Especially like, um, this is more anecdotal, but um, so I'm... Sasha here. I'm the co president of Expanding Economics here um, with my co president Nazla. She's the best. Um, and we were tabling for activities night, um, which is an opportunity for um, people to come, new students, old students to come and kind of get a feel for what the clubs are at McGill. Um, we were sitting there at a table and so many people would be coming up and be like, so is this a finance club? <laughs> what do you do? Do you do investments? And I'm like, no, Um, we're economics, you know, we're an econ club. We're more talking about the field of economics. Economics and finance are definitely not the same thing. Honestly, like you could do an economics degree and not know a thing about finance at the end. I can tell you that from my personal <laughs> experiences. Right. But yeah. yeah. Um, but he found yeah. that this seems to be a deterrent, like this misconception seems to be a deterrent for women, but a motivator for men, right? And men the whole finance bro stereotype. It right? may be
1: true. The right. thing that we found is that female undergraduate economics students have a greater grade sensitivity than male economics students. So what that really means is that if student A, a woman, receives a B or a C plus on an exam and her male counterpart does the same, the female student is less likely to continue or continue their pursuit of that degree. Um, yeah, so
0: that when men did poorly in their intro level classes or not as well as they expected... Um, they still would continue on with their program while women would kind of maybe switch to something else that they felt more comfortable in. And another pretty common issue and something that is uh, more widespread in the field of STEM is that generally um, women feel um, outnumbered. Yeah, outnumbered. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) Yeah, outnumbered um, in these sort of more technical, more mathematical fields, right? guys just tend to go into them more and that could lead to um switching to a major where they feel more represented and more um included
1: right right sasha you're talking about representation i feel like i would be hesitant when less than 25 percent of of economics faculty is made up of women yeah, like, that's exactly. an insane statistic. Yeah, when your teachers are also
0: not, you know, you're not represented, um, you don't feel yourself represented by your professors. I don't think I've ever had a female econ prof. I don't so think I far. have either.
1: Right. So after identifying these issues, uh, Claudia Golden and her and her colleagues, they developed and implemented this sort of quasi experiment in hopes of retaining and even increasing female uh, female undergraduate enrollment in economics. So how they did this is. They focused on in- so right so they focused on increasing the number of women completing an economics major in twenty major universities. Um, there was twenty treatment schools, sixty-eight controls. The treatment implemented better information, mentorship programs, and instructional content that was primarily focused on increasing the number of women completing an economics major. The effect of the treatment um, was substantial for the liberal arts colleges, but not for the entire group of treatment schools. I think it's important to note here that some of the econ departments within these 20 treatment schools were not even aware of the gender imbalance in their undergraduate econ major. Uh, yeah, so um, the the treatment schools
0: um, consisted of more smaller liberal arts colleges and also bigger public institutions. One of the reasons why UWE was more effective in the smaller schools is right probably more reach. You're able to make more connections with your professors, etc., while in a big school. Um, maybe that those initiatives and those um, programs didn't weren't able to effectively reach as many people. After reading this paper, we decided to kind of dig a little deeper um, right. into <clears throat> maybe the disparities and kind of how this disparity continues um, throughout academia. As I mentioned, right, there's not that many faculty lecturers who are women. Um, does this... Uh, also spread into the like into the economist profession um and other areas. So I went down a couple rabbit holes while doing research for this <laughs> uh, for this um, podcast episode. And I found this very particularly interesting um, paper, which is actually an undergraduate uh, senior thesis by um Alice Wu, who is now also at Harvard, and actually, which I think is really funny, not funny, but um, like, full loop is that uh, she also has worked under Claudia Golden um, with her time at Harvard. So Alice Wu, at uh, the end of her undergrad, was really keenly interested in pursuing a graduate degree. And some of her, her friends discovered this uh, online economics forum called Economic Job Market Rumors. And anyway they looked into this forum and were noticing a lot of very nasty and vulgar posts about women. Um, This forum is largely populated by um, individuals who are pursuing a PhD, so PhD candidates and also those wanting to get a job market placement. Um, And so both her and her advisor for her senior thesis kind of got interested in this forum. Um, So she kind of felt that before she could... um, really say that there was actually some sort of gender bias in this forum she had to do like some rigorous statistical uh analysis of this forum so she used a lot of um she used a lot of uh, machine learning techniques and other stuff like that that we will not go over because <laughs> it's very technical but in the end she found that yes indeed um posts that included gendered language pronouns um that were female uh, that indicated a f- uh, female or woman on average, included more vulgar language, more informal, unprofessional language, more commentary on um, appearances and stuff like that. And on the other hand, when they, there were more male indicators on these posts, they were more professional, uh, more mention, m- mentioning about theories, advisors, etc. Yeah, so kind of this hostility um, that is present in this forum... Um, could be really discouraging to women who are interested in pursuing a graduate degree and who are looking for information online about graduate school, et cetera. Yeah, and so Alice Wu's undergraduate thesis really kind of created a, a huge uproar in the economics community um, where a lot of female economists um, and really notable um, women in the field spoke out that they really that they resonated with the findings of the paper and kind of the hostility that maybe
1: they faced as well. Um, pursuing their their academic track. So with this discussion and the statistics that supplement it, we can see how this is kind of analogous to a leaky pipeline. We start off as uh, with women as undergraduate students outnumbering men as undergraduate students the pool becomes smaller as men are two and a half for every single woman in the e- in the economics undergraduate degree. So moving on from the undergraduate, Aspect and we go into graduate school, we have seen that women are constantly faced with barriers to entry and hostility that isn't comparable to what their male equivalents are facing. And I just wanted to bring up my previous statistic about less than 25% of economic professors are women globally, right? And this is even more surprising in North America, where our North American universities are currently dominating world rankings for economics, but the region has the lowest share of women among economics faculty members, only at 18.9%. So now moving away from graduate school, we're looking at women that have jobs as economists. RUPC estimated that only 26.2% of economists are women.
0: Yeah, thank you, Zoe, for those statistics. Um, so as you can see, we've kind of come full circle in the sense that very few women are really making it to the end of this leaky pipeline. However, not to overplay the importance of a graduate degree, but a lot of the time, these positions in research, positions as professors, really require a graduate degree. Actually, Eleanor Ostrom, the first woman to receive the Nobel Prize... Um, if you remember before. from earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you remember from <laughs> earlier. Thank you, Zaya. Um, She was actually actively discouraged from pursuing a PhD in economics. So um, obviously she was pursuing this all at a time where women's education wasn't as prioritized. When reading her autobiography on the Nobel website, she said that, Really, women weren't encouraged to take a lot of high-level math. And even then, when she finished her degree and she went on to work, she was the first woman in her role, in her job, to kind of go beyond a secretarial role. And then when she came back and wanted to pursue a higher academia, she was encouraged to maybe pursue political science. And even then, it was something that, that um, her her mentors weren't really, really enthused about. So I think that really goes to show that this is a, a long-standing trend, right?
1: Right. So as we're looking and discussing about these ideas of, you know, equal representation, you know, it kind of requires us to look beyond that scope as well. And we're now seeing that people who, the people that are researching and looking at and teaching our developed economic theories, are they all from looking at it from the male perspective? Is that what we're seeing? And are these like the implications? Like, are we seeing the real life effect of that is that there's less women in economics overall? It begs the question, you know, whether our economic theories and policies have always taken t- took on a male dominated perspective.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um this is something that I thought was particularly interesting and it it takes on a more like philosophical and sociological approach also. To kind of like this dichotomy between historically how men and women were represented and also how kind of the individual is represented in our our economic theories, right? So all the time in neo- neoclassical economics and also interlevel economic um, classes, you kind of learn about the, the rational, self-interested, always max- utility-maximizing individual. Uh, philosophers have called it the homo economicus right like how we're homo sapiens the homo economicus I thought that was really fun so kind of a lot of the the essays that I was reading were kind of talking about how there's this how historically women have been kind of the homemakers they've been seen as like soft um, altruistic individuals while in our theories the individual is seen as this very like rational very competitive um a very, like, self-interested individual, right? Um, it's kind of goes back to this historical masculine versus feminine um, right. representation.
1: Right, and I think your idea of the homo economicus is is uh, something I want to build off of. Um, So you were saying how your homo economicus is always trying to maximize personal utility. There's another foundational eco- uh, concept of economics that takes on a more male-dominated perspective and we know that economics is almost always about scarcity scarcity selfishness and competition but rarely about abundance altruism or cooperation and the argument can be made that these dichotomies have masculine and feminine sides you know scarcity selfishness and competition being more masculine and abundance altruism and cooperation being more feminine and that economics has chosen to make central to its analysis the masculine while ignoring the feminine aspect. Yeah, right. exactly. That's, that's I think, really...
0: No, no, that was really great. I think that, that kinda of goes well. This kind of kind of dichotomy, sorry about that. <laughs> um, kind of persists throughout kind of the fundamental concepts that we consider in economics. And I think I think there are Branches of economics that are actively challenging this, I think especially um, my particular interest is behavioral economics um, and I think behavioral economics concepts kind of bring in the more nuanced nature of us as individuals and not kind of breaking us down into these very like uh, black and white perspectives um, that can be seen um, in neoclassical economics. I think this uh, issue is very persistent. Um, however, there are branches of economics that are actively, such as, again, behavioral economics and feminist economics that are trying to challenge this. However, as we know, these neoclassical theories are very ingrained in our our education. right um, And um, there's also um, discussion about how our measures of of growth and wealth, is specifically GDP, are kind of developed such that they um don't take into account unpaid work such as caretaking that is often uh, taken on by women and it's also important to note that bridging the gender gap is valuable without this kind of context of growth um including more people in our uh, labor force etc yeah so kind of we talked a little about yeah talked a little bit about the historical context um and of course it's really important um however we know that these theories are very ingrained and very central to how economics is taught um, and kind of thought about. Um, So we believe it's more important to kind of address the present and the future of economics and kind of how we can, again, right, bring back the question of how can we bring more diverse perspectives into the field?
1: Right. And, you know, with more diversity, obviously I agree with you 100%. um, And like with more diversity, you know, we would diversify the questions we are asking, which in turn will diversify content that's being taught and just in turn make, economics as a whole a more inclusive environment you know? yeah more inclusive environment also more representative almost oh, also more representative. yeah more right. representative
0: of the people right because we're there's more nuance to to the individual than just okay um, they're rational right they self-interested like there's more nuance i feel like that's why that's why i think this is really important
1: right and i just want to briefly acknowledge that although we're discussing this important topic of women and economics um i want to acknowledge that this is only a once. Sm- aspect of the topic and almost like an umbrella, a lack of representation in economics, you know, it's important for us to know that, you know, women of color, LGBTQ plus community members and indigenous community members face like an additional discrimination on top of everything that we've just talked about um, because of their race, creed and, and beliefs. Also, the trends and ideas that we've been discussing are also very isolated to the Western world or like north american context so i just wanted to acknowledge that this is an important topic but there we will like to acknowledge that in a more uh, specific yeah,
0: exactly so um we thought that this was an important acknowledge to make um however we did not want to address it in directly in this episode we felt that it would be better to take another full episode to kind of talk about these nuanced issues right um <clears throat> right so now We talked about why we're concerned about the lack of women in economics. Now let's talk about what we can do about it, right? Um, We can go maybe going back to the UWE measures, but what else is there that we can do um, to encourage more women? And
1: what lasting implications Uh, does this have? So the IMF actually did a real world example of something that we can do to bring more women economists into the workforce. The IMF provided more uh, maternity leave. They subsidized any daycare facilities with uh, families with young kids so basically providing an affordable affordable accessible and quality childcare services automatically like increases uh female economist employment in big organizations um additionally we talked a lot about how there's a lot of misconceptions about economics and what it what it really means to pursue a higher level academia and economics or uh what it means to be an economist. And so sharing information about what it is to be an economist, what it means to be a female economist are also things that would help bring in more women into the field of economics.
0: Yeah, exactly, for sure. I like how you mentioned that Zoe because I think it kind of goes into what we do here at Expanding Economics, right? Um we take a lot of time and effort to kind of make economics more relevant and more more accessible to everyone. I think it's also a fun little note is that our team actually this year's entirely made up of women or female presenting individuals so i think that's a, a great win for us um so through this episode we have kind of taken taking you through like a very small aspect of feminist economics right and more of a, a representation approach um and we hope that you continue thinking about this topic and maybe there's a, so much more nuance to feminist economics um and economics in general right that's why we're here um so yeah we hope you continue thinking about it and we hope that this was kind of insightful. Um, yeah, and it was really interesting to kind of dig deep into all the different issues and maybe relate it to kind of our own experiences, right, right. as women in economics. So yeah, uh, thank you guys very right. much.
1: Right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys give us some slack for our first episode, but we're so excited to, to uh, keep producing more. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: this was super fun. Um, it was definitely a learning experience trying to right. get through this okay. uh, episode. But, yeah. So see you next time. See you, you next you. time.